Good morning. Happy New Year. How many of you stayed up till uh, 12 o'clock, Bill? Okay, three of you. I didn't quite make it, but you know, it's okay. Now you can just record it and watch it later. Those kind of things, you know. So, uh, but uh, appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I love the fact that uh, folks are sharing the gospel all around the world uh, uh, and right here in our own town with people. You know, we had a guy come through. His name is Michael uh, Gable. And Michael came through. Uh, he's from New Jersey. And I think we have a picture of him. There he is. Look at that. Gordon baptized this guy a few days ago. Praise God for that. You know, uh, the Lord is just sending us people. Look, I, I, appreci I appreciate so much uh, Phil and his family and the influence it has not only out of here, but the numbers of people that come here because opportunities are created for us to share the gospel with people. And so Gordon got to share with this, this young man and baptize him into Christ this week. And what a great blessing. I guess a little bit of that. Yeah, you can clap for that. A little bit of that probably says, you know, if we're not going to go out like we need to, maybe God's just bringing them to us, you know. So I love it when people just turn themselves in. That's fun. That's good, you know. So uh, we, we appreciate that so much. Uh, today's uh, lesson in this series is about God bless. And uh, I'm going to be doing this first lesson. Trent will be doing the next two Sundays uh, Al is going to actually preach the following Sunday, and then we'll probably do a wrap-up lesson after that. Uh, so that's kind of uh, kind of the plan here for this lesson. You know, you can uh, you can tell the difference. I mean, when Trent preaches, his will be a little a little different slant. He comes from an educational viewpoint. You understand what I'm saying? He has the doctorate degree. Uh, I don't quite have that degree, uh, so he kind of approaches things from a more intellectual viewpoint. I, I asked him uh, uh, to define what a kiss is, and here's what Trent said. It's the anatomical juxtaposition of two orbicular orbis muscles in a state of contraction. <laughs> now, back home in Arkansas, we say it's this. It's that thing that feels like heaven, tastes like honey, and sounds like a cow pulling her foot out of the mud. <laughs> so that's... Uh, that's kind of the difference between my preaching and Trent's, you understand, okay? I've learned that you can say anything bad about anybody you want to as long as you end the phrase with, bless their heart. Uh, have you found that out? Well, he's a sorry, no good scoundrel. He does this, he does that. He comes from a sorry, but bless his heart. And it's all okay. Well, we really want to ask God to bless us, and we want to ask Him today particularly to bless our hearts in this thing of, of what it means to get blessings from God. And so uh, that's uh, kind of how we're going to start this. Now, first I want to look at a, a, at a passage in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Now, He says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What's the, what is He talking about in this passage? You can say it out loud, by the way. What's he talking about? Yeah, let me give you a little hint. When a word is used over and over, you know, take a hint. Do not judge, or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Get it? It's a context of what? Remember, just even the first and last part. Do not judge, you will be judged. It will be measured to you. 
Sermon on the Mount, in this sermon, he's talking about judging. Now, let's look at another verse in Luke chapter 6. Because in this verse, typically this is where preachers go a lot of times to preach about giving or money. But it's the same context, parallel passage. Do not judge and you, will not, uh, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. He gets on the positive side of it. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What's he talking about? He didn't change. I, it's, 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 this is not a trick question. What's he talking about? Judging. Yeah, he's talking about judging. He's talking about this principle of uh, typically that you reap what you sow. Now, typically a lot of guys go here to preach for some kind of motivation to say if you give, then God's going to give a whole bunch back to you, press down. Remember, remember how the, the, the Jews would do during the harvest? You get that basket and look, and you get it full. You shake it down where it all falls to the bottom, and you press it down, and then you get it overflowing. You're going to get all you can get, right? That's the picture there. But the, the problem is, this is not written for motivation to give your money. It doesn't matter that, uh, that that happens, but that's not how... Look, it's not about that. We give to give. We don't give to get. God doesn't bless giving to get, but he blesses giving with the right heart. So we've got to talk about what that means to give. You know, when our kids are little, uh, I remember, um, I don't know, it was, I guess middle school maybe, uh, Kristen, uh, I just made her nervous. Right now she's real nervous. She's like, uh-oh, what's dad going to tell? He, he, I know it's the question, dad, you're supposed to get permission before you tell stories, but this is a good one, it's okay. That I found out that her, uh, that Kristen and uh, uh, one of her friends were supporting a child through, I think it was Compassion International. Was that what it was, Kristen? One of those. The, the, and they were giving their money and they were taking care of sending it. And, get, and I was proud to find that out. You know, I didn't know that was going on. I know some of you are thinking, you need to know what's going on in your family. But I, I know, I mean, I'm trying. But look, uh, uh, she's doing this on her own. She just decides, her and her friends, to, to support. And I, I love that when you see your kids do unselfish things, isn't that good? Aren't you proud of them? But now, if she was doing that because somehow or another she had a chance to win $1,000, that'd be a whole other attitude or motivation, right? Look, God is proud of us as we give with our heart because we give just to give. It's not a selfish thing. If we're going to be what God wants us to be in our blessings and in our giving, we have to look at our heart. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, if you'll turn your book there, the first thing we've got to do is challenge our own selfishness. He says here in verse 9, Be careful not to harbor a wicked thought. Now, let me give you a little bit of background verse. In verse 7, he says, If there's a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted with your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. Now here's the wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for canceling debt is near. Now remember in this Jewish law, what happened every seven years? You could cancel that debt. Wouldn't that be nice? 
Would you like to go back to that? I mean, seven years, this is the seventh year and all your debt's just gone. How many are for that? A whole lot more of you are for that than stayed up for the New Year's, I guarantee you. All right. So this is the principle here. So what he said, what's wicked about it? Because I'm going to look at a brother's need because of my own selfishness. I'm going to look and I'm going to think, wait a minute. Now, if I lend him what he's asking, he, I know we're close to the seventh year being ended. He ain't going to pay it back in time, and then I'm going to be out, right? Look, that's the part. That's the wicked part. That's the selfish part. That somehow or another, I'm going to, I'll, I'll, I'll give him, but I'm not going to do that if I'm not going to get back what I want. So here's the problem. We have to always look at the self. Now, selfishness attacks us before we give because we're looking at things about, about what I want and about what I think I'm going to supply for me before I decide what to give to somebody else. It's really something that says we don't trust God. I've got to trust my own ability with my own stuff to take care of me instead of trusting my Lord. Selfishness is the enemy of our heart. And look, it starts from the beginning when we're real little, right? What do, what do kids say? What's some of the first words? My, mine, I. We had uh, some of Susan's family came over last weekend and stayed all night with us. There was about 74 of them. I mean, at times it felt like there were about 70. I think there were seven or something. Anyway, they're sleeping everywhere. And so, uh, you, you know, everywhere you turn, there's a body, right? And so, uh, but uh, uh, one of them had a little two-year-old. I'm telling you what, when they're that age, they're running around. They're, they're, she was so cute. Look, she broke my door on my cabinet. I didn't even care. She's just too cute, you know. And somebody had said something about her being cute, and so she walked up to me one time. She said, I cute. <laughs> That's what I did. Oh, you know, what, what do you want? You know, here, right? Now, that's cute when you're two. Now, when you're 22, not so much. We don't start in the world unselfish. We have to learn about being unselfish. You don't throw a bowl of candy down on the floor and two and four-year-olds sit around saying, you go first. No, you go first. No, that's not how it works. doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way with some of you when you're 19, right? I mean, selfishness is a, is a challenge. And so we have to be aware and develop ourselves to be unselfish. We have to look and make sure we're not deciding things out of that. But then there's this grudging heart. He says in verse 10 and 15, Give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hand to do. Uh, or if one version says a grieving heart. Now, grudging heart is what you have after you give. Selfish heart you have before you give. Grudging heart you have after you give. Or grieving heart. You're like, ooh, I shouldn't have given that, right? And so, sometimes that's because we give out of pressure. Or we give out of guilt. But it all comes down because we think it belongs to us. The reason we grudge or grieve our giving... The reason we lay a bunch of money out and then come back somewhere down the road and say, well, I don't know about all that, you know, I want what happened to that. The reason we kind of get on that high horse sometimes is because we think it's ours. It all belongs to him. Say that with me. It all belongs to him. Now, 
You see, when he said, bring the tithe to me, it's because it all, that already belongs to him. That's already set aside as holy. Matter of fact, generosity is what happens beyond the tithe. The tithe is our responsibility. As Bill said, our obligation. And so, why do we grudge? Why do we grieve? Because we haven't gotten to the point in our emotional relationship with our money or our stuff that we understand it's his. We think it's ours. And therefore, we end up being able to think we can say what ours does and doesn't do. But we're not giving to the Lord. We're, give, uh, we're not giving to the Lord with the right heart if we always treat it as ours before and after we give it. God's basically saying, bring that and take your hands off of it. I'll let you hold it for a while now. Get it back. Now, think of it this way. If I, uh, I'm going to go out of town and I'm going to be gone several months and I'm going to leave I'm going to leave some money for some folks to take care of Susan. So I'm going to leave uh, $10,000 a month for to David and 10000 to Trent. 10000 you like that, Trent? 10000 to Gordon. A few months goes by and I call Susan. Susan, how's it going? Those folks taking care of you? Oh, man, I'm telling you. David? Yeah, he'd give me a thousand a month because you ask him to, you ask him to give it. Because I said, look, now while I'm gone, just give my wife a thousand. You can have the ten, just give, me, give her a thousand. That's what she needs to take care of her. Okay. So how's David doing? Oh, he's giving a thousand every month. That's great. What about old Trent? Well, I'll tell you what, Trent's stepping beyond it. He'd give two thousand. Man, that's pretty good. What about old Gordon? Well, you know. Gordon gave a thousand the first month, about seven hundred second. About the last three months, I ain't got anything out of him. I said, "Well, I'll take care of that." So I come home and I give with those guys. And what am I going to do? I'm going to I'm going to quit giving. I'm going to tell Gordon, "Hey, no more." As a matter of fact, we'll just give that to Trip, maybe David too. Why? Because I gave that to you to take care of my bride. Got it? Jesus says the church is his bride. And 10%. Jesus said, I'm going to give you a bunch. Just, just 10% of that. Take care of my bride while I'm gone. That's all. Just take care of my bride. And look, that's just where we start with our obligation. But if we do not understand that it's not ours, we won't start there. And by the way, that's just what we give to the local church. Now what we give beyond in other areas, that's generosity and works and all kinds of good things happen. Now I've dealt with this thing before and I understand it can kind of be a, a, kind of be a, a rub the wrong way sometimes. But look, you, you and I, we sit in a building with air conditioning and heating and out of the rain and, and, and we get Bible class teachers that minister to us and folks visit us in the hospital and people take care of us when someone dies and all these things take place in this church. Your tithe goes 
to your church family, whether it's this church family or another church. If you're a, uh, if you're a member of another church visiting with they do get give their get your tithe to them. But the tithe goes to the to the house of the Lord first. Now beyond that, there's other things given. Now the reason we want to give it and then, and then put a string on it and say use it this way is because we still think it's all ours. Now I understand in generosity we can do that. In generosity we can pick and choose what we like to support and what makes things happen around. I understand that. And that's great because man, there's a lot of good generous people that go way beyond 10% to help all kinds of ministries because there's a lot of good stuff happening out in the world. But there's, as far as us and our church family, there's a responsibility. He doesn't say give your tithe. It's not yours. He says bring the tithe to the house of the Lord. So the reason it's difficult sometimes is because we just think it's ours and we can't see beyond that blessing. So what do we have to do? We have to develop a generous heart. He already said, I read part of this verse earlier, give generously to him. Okay, now verse 14, talking about freeing the servant and the slave. When you let him go, supply him liberally from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. Generosity. You've got a servant that obligation-wise, he's free. Now, but look, don't send him out without anything. Load him up. Be generous. Take care of him. Now, I know it goes against our nature, but look, it's a part of our heart. In Matthew chapter 6, 21, it says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our problem is we usually read that verse backwards. We usually think where our heart is, our treasure will be. Where your treasure is, your heart will follow. So if you're out here and you buy, uh, you buy a whole bunch of, of uh, Walmart stock and you put, up, put most of your money in it, guess what you're doing the next few days? You're following it. Your heart is following it. You're checking on it. You're seeing what's happening because you put a bunch of treasure there. Now, no, I, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody rebuke this way, but, you know, if someone is having a problem hooking into the church family and I can't get involved and I'm not getting anything out of church, what, what, what about, let's look at your checkbook. What? Have you invested anything? Money as well as time and other efforts. I mean, are you, because I'm going to tell you, your heart, where your treasure is, your heart will follow. You'll watch it. You'll go with it if you've got a, a big investment in it. Because our, 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 our bank account says a lot about what we're loyal to. So we must learn this thing of a generous heart. Now look, this comes because our hearts are changed. Remember, the heart is, gets pricked by the gospel. The good news changes our heart. But it doesn't just change it that one time to become a Christian. It continually changes our heart. So it changes how we live. Like Romans 12, we don't conform to the world anymore, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. From the inside out, change takes place. So we have to grow in this thing of having our heart changed and continually changing. So we have to develop a generous heart. Now look, it's not about dollar amounts. It's about percentage. Let me show you. Remember in the Gospels when Jesus took the disciples into the temple and he went to the area of giving. 
Remember the woman who came in and she just gave a little bit? She gave all she had. Remember that story? That's inside the temple where people are giving. And Jesus has got the disciples to the side watching it all. Because there's people coming through, you know, and look, they didn't have paper. They're giving coins, right? So some guy comes through, he gives quite a bit, just click, 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 right? And some other guy gives a whole bunch. Click, 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 click. The other guy comes in rich, he's going to show off his giving. It's a big bag, it's heavy, he's carrying it over. He dumps it, just makes a, whoo, you know, just a big sound of coins hitting the bottom. And the disciples and Jesus are all looking at it, and then here comes this woman. Cling. That's all she had. He said, she gave all she had. It's not about the amount, it's about the percentage. It's about our heart wanting to give all we have. And so in that, God uses generous hearts. Now, does he come back and bless us? Yeah, in a whole lot of ways. But look, you don't give in order to get. You give to give. The motive to give is something else. And that we find in this last part, verse 15. He says here, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. We give from a grateful heart. We give out of appreciation. Now, and this is so difficult to keep going because even our whole society and culture doesn't do this. It's like this. You work your job, you get paid for what you do. Holidays come, here comes Christmas around, and the boss comes by and hands you a big bonus. Here's 1000 extra dollars. Here's 2000 Next Christmas comes along, you work, you come out, he gives you a bonus again. Next Christmas comes along, you work, and you, and you get what you're supposed to deserve, but then all of a sudden he comes and gives you another bonus. About that third, fourth year comes down through there, the company's not doing quite so good, and so it comes down to Christmas, you don't get a bonus. What do you do? I can't believe other companies get a bonus. I can't believe they all did do me this way and all this way. And and Why? Because you develop a spirit of entitlement. You think they ought to give you something even though you didn't deserve it or earn it. And that spirit of entitlement, it kills our country, it kills our economics, and it will kill our church. Well, you said you were a Christian. I've had people actually tell me this in the office. Well, y'all claim to be a Christian. I don't know why you won't pay my light bill. Are you kidding me? You're entitled? No. No, what God blesses us with is His. And we have to learn to give out of appreciation. We don't give to get. We give to give. Look. Here's how, the, here's how the Hebrew did it. Here's how Israel did it. When they gave and wanted to teach their kids, he said, when your kids ask about your giving, here's what you do. Don't show them the checkbook. You take your shirt off and show them the, show them the scars on your back and tell them the story of Egypt. That's why you give. God redeemed you. That's why I give. I give because the gospel changed my heart and God rescued me out of slavery to sin and gave me the hope of heaven. That's why I give. 
My heart was pricked. My heart was changed. That's why giving is not a problem because I, wanna, I want to uh, appreciate and honor and be grateful to a God that rescued me. Got it? So you want to teach your kids how to give. Show them your chapbook and tell them, look, well, the reason I write this, the reason I put that amount down is because God, through the gospel, saved me from my sins. That's why I'm writing this check. That's the motivation. I give because God gave. I don't give to get. And that's a whole different motivation. That means we have to honestly evaluate our heart. If every member of Watchfair Road Church gave like I give, ask yourself that. If, you, if every member gave like you gave, would the church receive a token, a tip, or a tenth? What would it be like? Now look, it's not like God needs your money. God's not setting up in heaven paving streets of gold saying, you know, Gabriel, if they don't get more, we're never going to get this street built. I mean, it's not like that, right? He's not up there with looking for the values of the possessions that you can give. No, God looks down on his child and says, Oh, did you see what they did Sunday for the poor people in our church? Oh, man. What a blessing. Did you see what they did for the kids in Africa? What a blessing. That's the giving that God bless. God bless your heart. Because that's where this comes from. And you've got good hearts. And our family's done well, and we can do better, and we will. Because we want to keep our hearts reminding us that what changed us was the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. If you need that same change today, you can have it. While together we stand and sing this song.